The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, the actions of our lives, be always acceptable to you, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. My mother was a junior high school English teacher, so early on I learned about the power of words. Indeed, she was the chief of the grammar police. So today in this sermon, I'm going to use some words. I'm going to use some four-letter words. And it's possible that those words might make you uncomfortable. They're the kind of words that don't get used a lot in church and probably not in sermons. So they're four-letter words. If you want to leave, you can go now. And those of you who haven't left and are a little bit squeamish, maybe you better block your ears. At least that's what my 16-year-old granddaughter told me to tell you. Here are some four-letter words. Love. Hope. Pray. Gift. Okay, you can unblock your ears. That wasn't so bad, so let me try a three-letter word on you. God. And now here's another. Joy. And how about some five-letter words? Bible. Money. Tithe. These are words of and about our faith, about our life, about our reason for being, and about how we are able to exist. That's why money got in there. They're words that guide and describe us. They are the words we need to be using in church in sermons, and in our everyday life. Now, I was invited today as your stewardship-designated hitter. I hope I do a little better than they did last night. When I come to bat on stewardship issues, there are two fundamentals that guide me. First, stewardship is about faith-raising, not fundraising. And second, stewardship is everything, everything you do after you say, I believe. 
So I want to emphasize two words, faith and everything. Stewardship is everything we do because we believe. Stewardship is not about Trinity the Church. It is not about Trinity's budget. Stewardship is about our belief in the Trinity and how that Trinity guides every moment of every day of our lives. This is why at the end of the service we pray to God for strength and courage for what we will do in the other 167 hours of the week, which is, and you know the prayer, to love and serve God with gladness and singleness of heart. Now, one of God's gifts to me is participation in a prison ministry of Bible study at MCI Boston Pre-Release Center. I was there this past Friday night. And it was a good thing I was there because, in all honesty, I was pretty clueless about how this this week's lessons would inform this sermon. And I am, after all, a good Episcopalian and know you're supposed to have some relationship between the lessons and the sermon. Then one of the inmates pointed out to me that the gospel lesson wasn't a parable. It was real life. Real people with real problems asked for mercy. All of them were made clean. But only one was also made well. And that was because he realized his life and his health were in every respect, every respect, a gift of God through Jesus Christ. A literal, practical, real-life experience. And with that realization, he gave himself everything, everything of himself to God by prostrating himself before Jesus and with a loud voice glorifying God for all that he had given him. So shouldn't we all. But we don't. And we don't in large part because we don't recognize the gifts of God to us. We need a little help in that recognition and we need some practice. That's actually one of the reasons we come to church. So let's practice. Let's take a few moments to name God's gifts literally and explicitly. So here's what I want you to do. You each have one of these sheets that says at the top God's gifts. You probably wondered what's this all about when you came in. I want you to take this sheet and for the next couple of minutes I want you to write down on it every gift of God that you can think of. Everything God has given to you. Take two minutes, choir two, just because you're behind me doesn't mean you don't get to do this. Write these things down. What are God's gifts to you? And if you don't have a writing implement, write them in your heart. Okay, your time's up. I expect that many of you realize that you could write and write and write throughout this whole service. But I'm a good Episcopalian, and I know we're supposed to do about 12 minutes for a sermon, so we've got to stop. But what I want you to do is hold that paper. Hold those gifts with loving care in your hand as you consider for your own life the functional equivalent of what happened to the leprous Samaritan in today's gospel. And here's what happened. He asked for help. 
with life's conditions. Jesus gave him a way to find that help. He followed that way. He was made clean. He recognized he was not only made whole, but that his life was now different because of God's presence. And so he gave everything to God. That's what praise and prostrating mean, folks. And Jesus then sent him to live the rest of his life made well because of his faith. And that is exactly what you and I are to do with our lives. Give everything to God. Praise God. And be well because of our faith. Everything and faith. And this is not fanciful. This is not somebody ordained who's paid to stand up here and say these things. And let me give you an example out of real life. A young woman I met many years ago, whose name Sue, made it clear to me. She was a young single mother, a couple of kids. She worked at a checkout counter somewhere. She had, at best, a modest income. And Sue said, when I get my paycheck, if I write the first check to the church, there's always enough for everything. But if I write the first check for something I want, there isn't enough for everything, not even the church. So this faith that we have, this being made well, this path that we are on, this stewardship is not about the church needing our money. It is about our money needing the church and its guidance in faithful use of all we have. And just like you did with the writing down the gifts, we need to practice that reality too, and we need reminders of that reality. So here's what I'd like you to do. Take that sheet again. Tear off the bottom section. I need to hear the sounds of rips here, folks. Now, I want to point out something to you. You used to have just one thing, and now you've got two things. Already, abundance, we've doubled what we have. Now, I want you to keep that bottom part. Hold it in your hand. Take it home. Put it on your refrigerator or bulletin board or keep it in your purse or your wallet. It's a reminder, and it's a prayer to help put into practice the reality that for us, God is everything. And that everything we have is a gift of God. Now here's the second thing I want you to do. Take that sheet. Fold it up. Now I assume all of you are good, assiduous believers in stewardship. And you've all filled out and you've got your envelope with the other thing that you assiduously and thoughtfully did. You looked about your gifts and you looked about your treasure and your talent and your time and you know what you're going to give to God out of that. So put this and these together in the envelope you have. And when you come forward to receive the gift of God in the, in the sacraments, there will be a place where you can give that to God. There will be baskets here. And you can literally give everything in your hand. Every gift that you could think of, you can give to God this morning. 
Remember the words of the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. We live and breathe and have our being not because of the kingdom of Wall Street. We're not meant to hoard our gifts. We are not meant to live amidst scarcity. Hoarding only squeezes the life out of whatever we have and whatever we love. Now, we live in the kingdom of God. It is a place of abundance. It is a place where all four-letter words you can say in church, and the three-letter words, and the five-letter words. Indeed, every word we can talk about because they are all given to us by God. I used joy earlier. It was my grandmother who taught me that joy is spelled Jesus, others, yourself. So what happens when you throw open your arms in love and praise and trust? Love arrives in abundance. You get hugged and joy abounds. That is God in our life. That is God in my life. May it be so with you this day and all days. Now, I'm just a lowly layperson. I need your help. I need your help again in knowing how to pray and knowing how to end this sermon. So I want you to take the bottom piece. It is a prayer. And I would like you to join me in that prayer. Lord, we pray that your grace 